Hi, it's Phil Brown, and I'm here with David Whelan, and today we're going to do our Jargon podcast for 2015. We thought we'd take a, a look at the letters of the alphabet, uh, in particular because Google has just reorganized itself into the Alphabet Corporation. So starting with A, we have the API, which is also the Application Programming Interface. And you may have heard of APIs being tossed about and wondered what they are. Uh, and there's some concern that uh, the federal courts in the U.S. don't really understand what they are either uh, because they called them software and an API isn't software. An API is a connector that allows uh, different systems to communicate with each other. And so what you might find is that a company like Dropbox has an API uh, and then other developers can write software that talks to that API to display files that are in your folders or to enable you to work on your uh, Dropbox files without actually being in Dropbox, uh, working through other things. So it's an, uh, an enabler uh, between two different types of software systems. And, and you see APIs uh, being bandied about when you go to a tech conference and you hang out with the vendors for a bit. Uh, everyone's running around trying to figure out how they can get their software uh, in their packages to run with someone else's on their platform. So everyone's running around discussing API synergies and things like that when they're at these conferences. That's right. David Weisenberg uh, did a great book called Small Pieces Loosely Joined, and that's really where the API is. Uh, it allows you to uh, make your program available to other things to build it out rather than building, as we did in the old days, monolithic programs that did everything all by themselves. And I, and I suppose this is a, for another podcast topic at some other time, but APIs uh, could possibly create unique security situations as well. Right. Absolutely. Uh, so B is for bot. B is for bot. Bots used to be uh, nice, warm, fuzzy things, but bots in increasingly uh, come up in conversations about security and malware and computers that are infected. And so a bot uh, is a computer that has been taken over by a remote system uh, and is used then for nefarious purposes, often an attack um, where the bot herder, is, as they're known, uh, communicates to all of the bots in his herd or her herd and tells them all to uh, attack a particular website or to uh, send out a particular kind of message or to do some sort of coordinated activity. And so all the bots all respond at the same time. And bots are one of the reasons we have to type in all that extra stuff when we're completing forms and we're trying to send it off. And then you'll see that little photo of, of some letters, random letters and numbers, and you have to fill them in to show that you're a human and not a bot. Right. You want to make sure that your computers and your law firm are not part of a bot network. Uh, so make sure that you are running antivirus software and malware uh, watching software so that you can eliminate the ability for other people to plant software on your computer without you knowing about it. Right. Containers. Yeah, C is for containers, and containers uh, are an obvious thing. If you Google container, you get a box, a uh, cardboard box, that sort of thing, and it's a similar sort of thing. It's going to be becoming more and more popular, particularly in uh, people who are dealing with vendors in the cloud. And You might go to a, a, a company and say, you know what, I want you to host my law firm technology in the cloud, uh, and how do you do that? And they'll say, well, we, we virtualize it, um, and increasingly, uh, the virtualization is something called containers. And what happened in the battle days of right now is that uh, you would virtualize a system and it would have an operating system like Windows and it would have applications on top of that and then your data would be on top of that. And for each customer, the cloud provider would 
repeat the operating system and the applications over and over again across the entire system. The thing with containers and uh, the one of the leading um, um, types of container comes from a group called Docker, uh, is that you don't have to have the operating system repeated over each virtualization anymore. In the future, if the cloud providers use containers, uh, there will be a, a single operating system across the entire platform, a single set of applications across the platform, and then the only uh, um, enclosed area will be that container, which will have your stuff in and separate from the container for, say, fill stuff. Right. Uh, D. D is for DDoS. Uh, you're all familiar with the old um, uh, operating system DOS, MS-DOS. Uh, the DOS that we talk about these days is the denial of service. And then the more common one now is the DDoS, the distributed dis denial of service. And this comes into where those bots are. Uh, it's very easy to crash a website or, or, or to do an attack uh, by sending so many requests to it that it can no longer respond to all the requests and it stops doing so. Uh, and that's what a denial of service is. It's the denial of uh, the ability for that server to respond. The distributed denial of service means that the attacks coming from many thousands, uh, in, in most cases, of computers at the same time, so that it's not only difficult for the server to respond, but it's difficult to figure out where the attack is coming from and to then block it. And, and is it, there any way for the average uh, small website owner to stop a denial of service attack? There isn't really. There are services you can use like Cloudflare, cloudflare.com, and they have a, a, a free service as well as a paid service where they will uh, uh, intercept the DDoS attack and try to then block it and filter it out. Uh, so that's one way you can do it. Most larger firms and larger corporations will have more than one uh, connection to the Internet. And so if a DDoS uh, or a DOS attack happens on one uh, set of addresses on the internet, it can turn those off and go to another one so that it's still able to interact with and communicate with it. But otherwise, you could see law firms going offline if their email servers or their web servers or other internet connections are being attacked. And, and you'd have to have a somewhat sophisticated client who has you in their sites to be a victim of this sort of thing. It's, it's much more common for uh, larger companies and, uh, and they, can, they can have these sort of broad-based attacks happening, uh, and, and they can be shut down for a day, two days at a time. It's interesting. Uh, we may see that change. I think you're right that the uh, it's an individualized attack. They need to be uh, aiming just for you. Um, but we're seeing now that these bot herders are making themselves available. So for you know $20 or $30 and a credit card, you can do a DDoS attack for an hour. Um, and it, it, it has now become commoditized like so many things are uh, with technology. Uh, e. E is, e is for EPUB. EPUB is a format that is common for ebooks. Um, it is the most common uh, ebook format other than the Kindle format, which is proprietary to the Kindle platform. EPUB is interesting because it's one that you can actually open up uh, and edit with a, a, a set of text tools that are available for free um, from uh, groups like Sigil, S I G I L. Uh, you can open it up. So the EPUB format is really nice. If you ever wanted to uh, create an ebook, um, you could save it as an EPUB. But when people are talking about EPUB, um, they mean a particular type of format like Word documents come in .docx or .doc in the old days. Um, if they're talking about EPUBs, they're talking about ebooks. And and a number of different readers can handle EPUB natively. 
Right. Uh, EPUB is probably the most common format because you can read those on iOS devices, uh, Apple devices, um, Android devices. You can open them up on uh, Windows and Mac computers and read them uh, on on your computer. It's it's great, and they're often very flexible, and they often come without DRM, uh, the digital digital rights management. And uh, and our last letter for this podcast, F. F is the firewall. Um, firewalls are exactly what they sound like. In fact, if you come down to the Great Library, we have a physical firewall in the basement, uh, which was meant to protect things from fire, and it's a brick wall, uh, and you can store things behind it. Uh, the firewalls that we have nowadays tend to be on our desktops and uh, our hardware that we have attached to our networks, and they are meant to prevent uh, external people from getting in who shouldn't be, um, but also for your internal applications not to communicate uh, outside of your firewall without you knowing that they're doing it. And, and sometimes they're software firewalls, sometimes they're hardware firewalls which contain software, uh, some of the security devices that are matched with routers and so on. Right. The uh, Windows uh, firewall comes with all the Windows operating systems. Uh, and if you type, uh, hit your Windows key and type Windows firewall, uh, it'll pop up and it'll show you all of the rules that have been created, the, both the ones that ex- uh, block people from accessing, but also the ones that uh, uh, allow access. And particularly if you're on Windows 10, I would take a look at uh, the rules that are allowing access because Microsoft has included a lot of new rules that allow all of its products to bypass the firewall. Uh, and share information and things like that, you may want to uh, disable them or delete them. And it's probably one of the most uh, ignored uh, security features for personal computers uh, is the firewall. I mean, you can really uh, tighten down the security on your computer so that things aren't randomly sending cookies back and forth and and, uh, checking out your computer and sniffing your ports and so on. And and people just don't turn on those features. Right. You definitely want to try and have them. you can find firewalls for Android devices. I don't believe that they have them for iOS, like iPhones and things. Um, but in particular, if you have a home network uh, where you're doing work or at, for sure at your firm, uh, you should also use a hardware firewall that is at the connection between the Internet and your firm network uh, so that you are protecting not only on a machine-by-machine basis, but for every uh, potential probe that comes in from the Internet itself. Right. Thanks, uh, David. That's uh, the first six letters of our jargon podcast. Thanks. Thanks, Phil.